Hey, podcast friends. It's been a little while. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since I have sat alone in my bedroom uh, behind a microphone and pretended to talk to people that aren't here but might listen to this at some point in the future on their own. So yeah, it's a a funny thing, uh, podcasting. But it's good to be back on. Um, I haven't been away from a lack of wanting to be on here sharing things that uh, I've been learning are meaningful to me, um, but just from a lack of time, because, uh, yeah, it can take a while to make one of these, um, especially when you're creating original music for it and scoring it and kind of producing it in a way that can take a while. So I decided I don't have that kind of time right now, but I really just want to get back on here. I miss um, not so much the sound of my own voice. Uh, but I miss that these monologues turn often into a dialogue later or several different dialogues. So I miss that a lot. Um, this past week, I did a podcast episode with a friend on her podcast. Um, we just had a conversation and then she released it this week. And it's just been fun to, um, you know, get text messages from y'all or... Um, or a new Instagram follower and a direct message saying, hey, I listened to this and it was so cool and I wanted to talk about these things. That's that's what I love about this. So I decided, okay, I don't have the time to um, to pr- produce a story the way that I really enjoy doing, but, uh, but I want to get on here and share some things. Um, I've been having some fun conversations around some stuff that I've been learning and reading and talking with people about, and I decided to, uh, to put some of those things together into an episode. So today I have... Uh, three, uh, not so much stories, um, but three different things that I've read that I want to put together. So I read an article at some point, and uh, and I've read two different books, and they're all talking about different things. But I think um, that it, when brought together, they say something really interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's what this is going to be. This is actually the second time I've tried recording this. Um, Uh, because this is kind of new for me to just riff, and I just have my notebook in front of me. I wrote down a few thoughts, um, and so the first time I tried to record this, I went a little bit long. I got 30 minutes in and was like, oh gosh, I'm only halfway done. So I'm going to try to redo this and do this a little bit more concisely. My goal with these is always to be around 20 minutes, because that's what a good evangelical church sermon is. Keep it short, keep it to the point. Let's get home before the Cowboys start playing. So I'm going to try to do that real quick. Um, All right, number one, I read an article. (laughs) And this article was uh was nothing new I, it was in some science journal some american science journal kind of thing um it doesn't matter where it's from though because you've read it too <laughs> maybe not the specific one um but you've read an article that's saying the same thing uh because this is all over the place um in 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 articles and books that are coming out right now but also just in our soul we are feeling this um and this article was talking about the rise of anxiety right now, um, the rise of anxiety, and with it, so many other things: depression, suicides, addictions to alcohol or medications or caffeine. All of this is on the rise right now, um, but specifically, it was pinpointing anxiety. I thought something that was really interesting about this. So, first of all, that's not news, right? You've you've read this article, you've read articles like it. Um, but you also feel this probably, um, most of us are feeling 
this low-grade, maybe sometimes very acute anxiety. Um, but what I thought was also interesting about this article was, um, you know, it's a scientific article. So this was, they have to kind of base it off of data and surveys. And they did this survey that had five different main questions. And they were um, kind of rating anxiety on these different kind of areas of our lives, of our of our health, our politics, our finances, our safety, all these things. But specifically in millennials was the, the most drastic spike in anxiety. Um, I thought that was interesting. So more so than Gen X, more so than baby boomers. They are also experiencing an increase in anxiety, but it's mostly or most intensely being felt with millennials. So one, I'm guessing you feel this. Um, you, you are aware and experiencing and living this truth that this article is talking about. Um, it also makes me wonder, are you experiencing it? Or is this just the new baseline, the new normal for us in a way that we don't even feel like, oh gosh, I'm more anxious than I was 10 years ago. Are we just feeling like, no, this is what it means to be alive. <laughs> um, I don't know which one is scarier. Um, so yeah, is, uh, is anxiety kind of for us millennials, is this the new normal for life? Um, huh. But anyways, I'm guessing you feel this, you've read this article. Um, it doesn't matter where, you know, what publication you might be reading. If you're reading a pub, uh, political publication, it's probably talking about the rise of anxiety and pointing to politics for doing that. If you're reading a tech thing or um, a psychology magazine, maybe they're talking about it in the same way, but pointing to, um, you know, maybe our smartphones and we're all heads down constantly feeling connected but disconnected. And that's why we're anxious. Or maybe it's an economics publication talking about how it's the income inequality gap that uh, is. So it doesn't matter what you're reading. Everybody is kind of talking about why are we so anxious and trying to point to what is the source of that. That was the first thing I read. The second thing I read um, was a book um, remember those things? It was actually a, a book that I rented from the library. Uh, I've been going to our library a lot recently and it's just, it's fun. And it feels like it, it almost feels like listening to a record, you know, where it's like, ah, this is cool and hip because it's old and ancient. So I, I've been loving going to the library. And so I checked out a book, um, by an Episcopal bishop back in the eighties and nineties. And he was talking in this book about the birth and death of God. Now hang with me if that's challenging for you in any way. Maybe it's challenging because no, our God is not dead. He's surely alive. Or maybe it's challenging to you because, oh gosh, this is old news. Of course God's dead. He's always been dead. Um, Let's move on. Hang with me here because I think this is a a really interesting um, insight, especially when juxtaposed with the anxiety thing that we all feel. So in this book, he was going through um, the birth and evolution of God and how it mirrors the birth and evolution of our self-consciousness, okay? So at some point, humans were not conscious, self-conscious. Um, maybe we weren't called humans then, but at some point, we went from not being conscious to becoming aware of ourselves, of our finitude, of our one day I'm going to die, of how little control we have over everything. One day this happened to us, and I would have loved to be there to just witness like the first people going like, wait, what the heck is going on? And um, actually, that would have been horrible to witness because with that birth of self-consciousness came incredible, crushing anxiety. 
Okay, so like imagine becoming aware all of a sudden of, oh my gosh, one day I'm going to die. I'm, I'm temporary. I'm fragile. I'm in a chaotic world and I am not in control. That awareness that at some level we all experience every morning when we wake up and realize, oh yeah, I am a self and I need things and I'm not so much in control of whether I get those things or not. That, that brings with it a whole lot of anxiety. And so with the birth of self-consciousness also came the birth, and maybe you could say invention, of God or gods. Now stick with me here, okay? So when we realized our state of controllessness, we had to say what is ultimately in control and can we side with that thing that is in control? Um, thereby kind of in a backhanded way, regaining control. So is there a God or gods out there that are in control of all of this? Is there something out there that made all of this and is um, pulling the strings maybe? And can we pray to them, do the right things, do the right rituals, liturgies, um, obey them in a way that we are on their side, that we have this God's favor so that we can kind of... um, be on the side of control again, because again, we just became very aware of how little control we have. So with the birth of self-consciousness came the birth of God, the theistic God, the God that is out there in the sky. Okay, so that's what this book was uh, kind of talking about. And he actually goes through the evolution of this God, that at every big turning point in history, every societal shift also came with it a shift in how we saw and understood God. So it's kind of mirrored our um, evolution of consciousness, if you will. That has been mirrored by how we think about and talk about this idea of God, Um, specifically this theistic God. And when I say theistic God, I mean the God external to us, Um, the God that has maybe created the world but can stand back from it and intervene when and how he wants Um, A God that can be a he because maybe he is a male being or something. Um, So he goes through this evolution of God in this book and then talks about the end how this God is dying and has been dying um, specifically in the past several decades. But um, but over time has been dying and shrinking in different ways. Like we used to think that God was um, in control of sickness and our health. Um, We thought that if you were on God's side or doing the right things, you would stay healthy. But if you got sick, ooh, what's going on there? Did you do something to upset God? Um, But then we discovered germs and bacteria and we realized, oh, maybe this is not a divine being that's controlling this. Um, We used to think that God controlled the weather. And, uh, you know, if a hurricane came through and wiped out stuff or if there was a drought, we would all start praying or trying to do the rituals or the rain dance and... um, then we realized that there are patterns here and weather systems and El Nino and El Nina years. And, and so that God shrunk from being in control of that. And uh, we used to think that God was the one who led us into battle and helped us defeat our enemies. Or if we got defeated and, survive, and if those of us that survived the defeat would, uh, would become very self-reflective on what are we doing wrong? How can we earn God's favor again? Because we must be on his bad side if we just got defeated. And then we started to notice, oops, sorry, <laughs> then we started to notice that uh, God always seemed to be on the side of the, uh, the team with the more and bigger weapons. So, uh, so yeah, that 
idea of God controlling who won in battle kind of faded. So this has been happening for a while. This theistic God has slowly been shrinking, but in the past few decades, it's been happening really quickly to a point where um, we are now in a, mostly a post-theistic world. Um, and Europe has been ahead of us on this. Some say that's because they experienced World War I, um, you know, a few decades before the world and America experienced World War II. And so they had to grapple with these questions of it, how can there be a God in control if these kinds of things are happening? So it's happening at different rates in different places based on what we're experiencing and uh, the questions that, you know, the experiences of our life bring up. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of coming to a head in America And it's an interesting thing that the coping mechanism that we invented to cope with our intense anxiety that comes with being self-aware, self-conscious, is now drastically on the decline and almost gone. And anxiety is on the rise at a stark, startling rate. The coping mechanism for anxiety is going away. And the anxiety is coming back at a crazy rate. Huh. All right. So the third thing that I read was another book. And this book was fun because it was based on magic. Um, Specifically, the movement of a magic trick. And if you're Christopher Nolan fans, Christian Bale fans, and have seen the movie The Prestige, you know that a magic trick has three parts. Um, The first part is the pledge. This is where you're shown an object, an ordinary object. The second part is the turn. Um, So this is like where the object disappears. Uh, Maybe it's placed behind a curtain or something, and then the curtain is lifted and the object is no longer there. Um, But that wouldn't alone be a magic trick. Well, I guess it would be uh, a cool trick, but it wouldn't feel satisfying. You would kind of feel like you were holding in a sneeze the rest of the day, like, okay, this needs to come back in some way. And that's the prestige where that object comes back, but in some different new way. Uh, Maybe it's pulled out of a hat now. And so it reappears, but in some different way or place. And so that's a magic trick. And this book was um, talking about the shift that we're going through and maybe have been going through for a couple thousand years with how we talk about and think about and locate God and comparing that to a magic trick. So at some point several thousand years ago, we became conscious and thought there must be something out there beyond us. And we thought of a God or gods in the sky. There's these beings, there's these objects separate from us that are in control, and we're going to call that, that ultimate thing, God. But then we've gone through this time of that God disappearing, that God dying, that original pledge of the sacred object of God has gone behind the curtain, and this can actually literally be talked about, um, like in the Old Testament when they construct a temple, they actually have a place Um, called the Holy of Holies, where God is supposedly dwelling. The actual being, the object of God, is in the Holy of Holies, and you're not allowed to go in there, and it's behind a curtain. Only one time a year could the high priest go in there, and they would actually tie a rope around his leg when he walked in there, and some people outside would hold on to the rope just in case being in the presence of that sacred object 
would uh would just be too much that he would maybe keel over then they would be able to pull him out um with the rope that's tied around his leg so that used to be our concept of god he would be the god behind the curtain um but then uh this author talks about the crucifixion being the beginning of the turn of this magic trick um and actually at the crucifixion the veil that covers up the holy of holies actually tears and uh, there's this famous story of, uh, oh gosh, it's going to escape me. Who is one of the, Pompeii, goes into um, Jerusalem and into the temple and walks into the Holy of Holies after the, the curtain has been torn um, and they've kind of taken over and demolished the temple. And uh, he's reported to have said, like, there was nothing there. And, uh, and so that's kind of an interesting way of comparing it to a magic trick where uh, God is behind, goes behind the uh, the temple the holy of holies the curtain that separates that Jesus gets crucified the curtain tears and there's nothing there and this is an awkward place to be this is the turn of the magic trick like whoa it's gone the things we based our life around the things we've been worshiping the things that um that gave us kind of ultimate meaning has disappeared the the thing that we used to cope with our anxiety is no longer there what next? And uh, and so this is a place that I think a lot of us are f- maybe finding ourselves right now. I wonder if, uh, like, if you traced the way that I prayed. So I grew up in church um, and talked to God a lot. You know, the God, the theistic God, the God outside of me, the God in the sky. And uh, you could probably, like, trace a progression of my prayers throughout the years of being little and asking God to, um, to do certain things. Um, I mean, I don't know, would you, would you give me this or would you do this or would you make this happen? And uh, I remember even, you know, using Bible verses to, uh, to justify this, you know, all things are possible for God. So let me ask him or ask and it will be given to you or, um, you know, God does not go back on his promises. Let me just ask him for what he promises me or whatever. And, uh, but then you kind of grow up to a certain point where it's like, oh, wait, if I ask for something and it doesn't happen, does that mean... I did something wrong and uh you know it's a it's a can be a harmful psychological thing for a kid to try to wrestle with that until you realize well well, maybe God doesn't always do what I ask because maybe I don't know the right things to ask for um uh, have you ever heard somebody say like you know that was your will but ultimately it's God's will that needs to be done and you just can't quite see his full will his full picture um, from where he stands because we're a finite being. And um, and the beauty of that argument is that it always works. Like no matter what happens, you if, if the thing that you want to happen happens, then you can say like, oh yeah, that that is God's will. Um, or if the thing that you don't want to happens, then you can also say, well, that was God's will and maybe it doesn't make sense where you're at. Maybe it's difficult, hard to wrestle with. But, um, but ultimately one day you'll understand that it all works together for your good. And so, so maybe like you've heard somebody justify, um, somebody losing their job is like, yeah, that's tough. And maybe it's making you question whether God loves you, but, uh, but you know, maybe something better is going to happen. A new job is going to come around the corner. That's even better for you. Or you're going to learn something through this experience that you could have only learned if you lost your job. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, passed off as this is God's will and it's always working out for the good of everything. Um, and that justification, that uh, explanation always works in every situation um, until it kind of doesn't. Like uh, maybe it works for 
um, passing off a job, losing a job, but, um, but it doesn't work if you lose somebody you love, like you get divorced or somebody dies, um, or, or maybe you read about uh, mass genocide happening in parts of the world and it's like, oh, is that God's will and we just can't see it from our limited human perspectives? You know, that uh, kind of finds a place where it doesn't work anymore. So maybe you used to pray for specific things and ask for specific things, but then you retreated to just saying, thy will be done. But then even that felt hollow and shallow and there there can't be a god out there that's in control if this happened you know and that's the awkward place of the turn in the magic trick of the curtain being lifted or the veil being torn and there's nothing there anymore we thought this is what was ultimately in control but now that thing is gone that idea we had, that conception of God has kind of failed. But all good magic tricks have a prestige. And, uh, and so what right now is being this God that has died, this God that has gone behind the curtain and has disappeared, is that God or is a God reappearing in some other way, some new way, where it's still God, it's still the ultimate, it's still the thing that is beyond just atoms and molecules. It's still God in some way, but it's also not the theistic idea, the theistic version of God. Is that happening in some way right now? Is there a prestige going on? Can you hear my dog drinking water? (laughs) She has great timing. But, uh, so yeah, what is the prestige that is happening? Is there a prestige for you that's been going on? Um, If you're somebody who grew up with one conception of God, has that conception remained? Has it shifted at all? Um, And what I think is really interesting is to look at, has your conception of God shifted? And has your anxiety changed at all? If most of us are experiencing this rise in anxiety, while we're also experiencing a shift in our conception of the ultimate, the more, God, what can be learned there? Should we fight against it and go backwards? Should we try to make it great again? Should we create a documentary that says God's not dead? Do we push forward instead and say, let's leave this all behind? It's primitive. It's outdated. It's not helpful anymore. It's actually harmful. The faster we can get beyond it, the better. Or is there another way? So do we either try to go back to the original pledge, the original theistic God? Do we say, hey, the curtain has been lifted. It's not there. That's the future. Or is there a prestige? Is there a new way of understanding and relating to God. I think this third way is the most compelling and for me the most life-giving option of those three. Um, and I think it's also what we're seeing happen in a bunch of different ways as, as the old version of God does not work anymore. As the theistic God dies, we're seeing like increases and new expressions of 
this attempt to say what is the ultimate and it's coming out in different ways um every once in a while i try to go to a yoga class um because i am just so not limber but uh but you'll hear in yoga um number one we're seeing a rise in people going to yoga um whether that's because of instagram and lululemon or something else is maybe another thing but where you go to a yoga class and you hear people talk about source capital s source or there's more and more people that are not going to church but saying they are spiritual but not religious. And maybe they talk about the universe, you know? And maybe you used to pass it off as some new agey thing. Um, but maybe what they're trying to do is say, hey, I'm trying to point to something that is the ultimate, um, that is the, the capital R real reality. But, um, but the old, you know, G-O-D, that word points to something that seems that we need to get past, but there is something more. Maybe we call it the divine. Maybe we call it the universe. For some people, it's they can no longer do God the super being, God the hyper being. But maybe when they say God now, it, it means God the ground of all being. God the thing that all of this is arising from and being sustained by. What I think is really cool is that so many different disciplines are actually coming to similar findings or discoveries about the connectedness of all of us, of all of us people, but also all of creation. Um, whether it's science, that the more we push into, um, you know, the, the, the subatomic level and trying to understand how does this all work? How is it all connected? We're seeing this deep connectedness of all things that even we used to think that the atom was the smallest thing or maybe the cork is the smallest thing. And now we're realizing like underneath it all is something else, something that maybe we call energy or patterns and relationships of energy. Um, or maybe it's in economics where um, we used to think that economics acted in a very rational um, way, but we're realizing that it's very connected to the well-being of everybody and that as this income inequality gap um, grows that as the richer become more rich and the poor become more poor that we're seeing that there's decline in the quality of life at both the poor and the rich that people that as the gap increases and we become more disconnected the quality of life is diminishing at both ends that does not make sense logically rationally but it's showing and it's pointing to maybe we're all more connected than we thought. As politics becomes less and less about the connection of people and how we arrange people in societies and more about how uh, money is, who's being funded by the most money, um, we're seeing this as well as the, it's pointing to there's a deep connection here. And the more we try to act like we're separated, the more that we're realizing um, separation is just an illusion. Um, that we're actually all at some level kind of one. And we're realizing this. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're starting to tap into this at the same time that the theistic God, the separate God, the God is, that is not us and we are not God, that idea um, is dying at the same time that we're realizing that all seems to be very deeply connected. So maybe the theistic God is no longer um, working for you. And it's a, it's a terrifying thing when the thing that you used to hold on to is what gave life ultimate meaning. When that goes away, it can feel like 
um, everything is meaningless. And I totally understand that. Uh, It's a scary place to be in. But maybe something new is uh, is gonna break forth in your life, and it looks like something new is is uh, being birthed in our world right now, as a, a realization of oh maybe one tribe, one religion, one group does not have exclusive access or knowledge of um, uh, of God or of the ultimate, but. In different ways, we're all asking the same questions and talking about it in different ways, but we are all deeply connected. And uh, and yeah, that's maybe it's not a super being out there, but maybe there is a ground of all being that connects all of us to everything. Huh? I don't know. It's it's an interesting time that we live in. Um, I think we're maybe between the turn and the prestige in a fun, exciting way. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would just um, say, if you are feeling this anxiety, um, this, you know, it's interesting, we live in like one of the safest times in history. Um, health, for the most part, is one of the best it's ever been. But we are more anxious than we have been when those kinds of things were much worse. It, it's an interesting thing. We have the best technology ever. And we're more anxious. What's going on? I, I would say if you're feeling this anxiety, don't push it down. Don't repress it. Um, it's there for a reason. It's a symptom pointing to something deeper that's really going on. Um, I think repressing it just prolongs it. Um, it's just going to pop up in other ways. And I think the best thing we can do is listen to our symptoms. Listen to the anxiety. See what it's showing us. And uh, as best you can, don't be afraid to, uh, to let it lead you. Instead of pushing it away and pretending it doesn't exist, what if we followed it to see where is it leading us to next? What is going to be this prestige? Yeah. So these are anxious times we live in, but I think they could also be viewed as really exciting times, as something new springs forth. So, um, man, I hope you guys enjoy your week. Um, yeah, and reach out if, uh, if this kind of stuff is interesting to you, if you're feeling this in any real way. Um, I'd love to, uh, to talk online or let's go grab coffee or beer or something. Uh, but yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy your day and enjoy the week.